You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is May 25th, 2018. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Happy to be with you here on a Friday. Hoping you're going to have a fantastic Memorial Day Not quite sure if I'm going to have an episode Monday. Probably going to take Monday off, so a long weekend coming up for all of us. Well, actually, I have to do my day job on Monday, but nonetheless, a long weekend coming up, so I hope everyone has a safe and relaxing Memorial Day. And while you're on that Memorial Day vacation, you can always follow me on Twitter at philiprr-omd. And of course, check out the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network, another fantastic game. We're going to talk a little bit about the playoffs and what they mean for the Orlando Magic. Yes, we're learning some lessons in the playoffs here as the Magic gets set to rebuild. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about that coming up on today's show, but an amazing game, a a really exciting finish as the Houston Rockets take a 3-2 series lead over the Golden State Warriors. That's right. Both the Warriors and the Cavaliers are just one loss away from playoff elimination. And who said, who said the NBA was predictable? Who said that? Well, I picked Rockets in seven, so maybe I'm still right. Who the hell knows? I, 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 Went to Cavs in six. That's not going to happen. I said Rockets in seven, and then I went Warriors in six. That's not going to happen. So it, it's foolish to try and predict these things. Um, eventually, you'll get it wrong, and eventually people will hold it over your head. But a fantastic finish. Houston with the gutsy, with a gutsy, gutsy finish once again to take that win. If you want the Rockets perspective on this, check out Locked on Rockets. They do a great job covering the Rockets. If you want the Warriors perspective, check out Locked on Warriors. If you want the national perspective, check out Locked on NBA. You can all find all these podcasts. Just like you can find Locked On Magic by searching on iTunes for Locked On and the team you're searching for. And give Locked On Celtics and Locked On Cavs some love too as they get things going. But first things first, before we get into the playoffs, before we talk about what lessons we're learning about the Magic and and rebuilding from these NBA playoffs and the direction that the league is going in, we have coaching rumors. Bum, bum, ba, 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 ba. That's old. I think that's old CNN. I don't remember. Um, yeah, I'm feeling excited. We actually have some coaching rumors to talk about. Now, it's it's not particularly clear how far into the process the Orlando Magic are in these, at least if one of these rumors. One of them has already been shot down, uh, so we'll, we'll talk about it briefly, but we'll, we'll, I'll definitely address it. Um, but according to Mark Stein of the New York Times, the Orlando Magic will interview... Charlotte Hornets coach Steve Clifford at some point this week. So, assumedly, Friday? Um, that's according to league sources. Um, as it has throughout its coaching search, Stein writes on Twitter, Orlando declined comment today, and Orlando continues to decline comment on the coaching search. They've obviously kept things very, very quiet. It seems like these leaks are coming from outside the Magic organization. Magic fans, though, should be very, very familiar with Steve Clifford. He was essentially Stan Van Gundy's lead assistant. During those great that great run from 2008 to 2012, the best run in Magic history. Let's not make it any less confusing than that. Most consecutive playoff appearances, most consecutive division championships, most consecutive times out of the first round. Three, we get excited about these things. Um, and obviously, and and in my personal opinion, the best team in Magic history in 2010. They got the one Finals win that the 95 team 95 team did not in 2009 as well. Clifford, though, has his own coaching background. He's obviously from the Van Gundy tree a little bit, um, both Stan and Jeff. Um, But he's been out on his own, too. He was a head coach for the Charlotte Hornets for the last five years. And while that feels like nothing to sneeze at, just two two playoff appearances in five years, 
a less than 500 record with the Hornets. Definitely some frustration in Charlotte. But the one thing you can say about him is since the the Charlotte Bobcats, at least, became, uh, or at least since the Bobcats were revived and the Hornets were revived in Charlotte, he is the, the, that franchise's most successful coach, I would say. Um, two playoff appearances they, as a franchise uh, since, again, since Charlotte Bobcats came into existence. I'm not going to count the, the, the Pelicans or the Hornets that moved to New Orleans. Um, it, it, that Their history gets confusing. But since the Bobcats came into existence, I would argue that Steve Clifford has been the most successful coach in that franchise's history. So it's not great. I'll say that much. It, 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 he, I think he's a very, very good coach. I don't, honestly, I don't put what happened in Charlotte on him. Although I think, you know, if, if I think we could certainly talk to Charlotte and Locked on Hornets. I, I've talked to them before about both how the Hornets built, which I, I think is, is, is a model for a lot of teams, uh, even though it hasn't panned out quite quite the way you want it to. Um, and certainly I've talked to them about James Borrego as well. Uh, but I think what, what always stood out to me with Charlotte is they always had an identity. No one considered Al Jefferson a strong defensive player. No one considered Frank Kaminsky a strong defensive player. Or sorry, Al Jefferson a strong defensive player. He's a great offensive player. My, one of my favorite offensive players. Big Al. I love Big Al. Frank Kaminsky's not considered a good defensive player. Cody Seller really wasn't a good defensive player coming into the league. Kemba Walker, not considered a great defender coming into the league. Yet Charlotte consistently has been one of the better defenses in the entire league. And I think you got to give Clifford a lot of credit for that. He's willing to experiment, willing to try new things, willing to, to try different kinds of lineups to get the most out of his team defensively. And, and, and I think, in all honesty, he wrung a lot out of his teams in Charlotte. They never really had the talent to be a contending team. They were always a, a fringe playoff first-round team. That's fine. That, that's, that's the talent that he had. Injuries really hurt him, especially when they re-signed Nick Batum. They made the playoffs when they first got Nick Batum, kept him in free agency. Probably the right move considering where they were as a franchise. Um, it just never panned out. He never could stay healthy. A lot of players can stay healthy. Um, Charlotte had a penchant for losing close games. It, 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 it's They're one of the weirdest statistical teams I've ever seen. Um, and, I, and I talked a lot about this with, with Chris Barnwall of CBS Sports, friend of the podcast. Um, he covered the Hornets for a long time for At The Hive. Um, and, and he's a big Kemba Walker guy. He's, he's, he, he, knows, he knows the Charlotte Hornets as well as anybody. Um, they would just lose close games. And, and, and if you know me, and, and maybe you don't because... You do, if you know me and my approach to close games, and maybe you don't because the Magic haven't been in very many of them. Um, to me, good teams don't win close games. They avoid them. Close games are essentially coin flips. And you know, you'll see a lot of, te- a lot of teams suffer from bad luck when they play a lot of close games. And 500 teams play a lot of close games, typically. And so the difference between winning, you know, being a 500 team that makes the playoffs and a 500 team that misses the playoffs is essentially a record in close games. And Charlotte struggled in close games. Kemba Walker has some memorable buzzer beaters, but they struggled in close games. When you look at their statistical profile, though, they always have a very strong statistical profile. In fact, the last two years, Charlotte finished 36-46 and out of the playoffs. But both of those years, they had a positive net rating. If you know me on this show, I will tell you net rating is a better indicator of how good or bad a team is than their than sometimes even their record because their record suffers from that variance of bad luck, of good or bad luck. 
in close games. Yeah, close games are about execution. It's not luck per se. But there is some randomness introduced when you play a lot of close games. And, and the Hornets, for whatever reason, could never get over the hump, could never win a lot of those close games to have their record reflect how good they really were. The Hornets last year, you know, had a plus 0.0 net rating. So I'll, I'll give them the positive net rating. So last two years, they missed the playoffs with a positive net rating. It's, it's insane. That never happens. They should have been a 500 team. For whatever reason, they weren't. Is that Steve Clifford's fault? Is that the talent on the roster's fault? Who knows? But I think Steve Clifford is someone that A, has familiarity with the organization having been with the Stan Van Gundy teams and, and I think will allow fans that, that nostalgia. He's not as personable. Steve Clifford's a good guy, don't get me wrong, but he's not as um, personable or, or as, as, as he's not as much of a character as Stan was. Um, but he's a very, very good coach, um, and, and I think if the Magic were to bring him in, uh, he would do a very good job establishing a culture, uh, at least get the team back to respectability. Whether he can take them to that next level, that part I'm not 100% sure on. And, and I think what was really funny to me was when I clicked on the Mark Stein tweet for the first time on my tweet deck, uh, the very first response was the, the Spider-Man meme where Spider-Man's pointing at himself, and it says, when you fire Frank Vogel just to hire Steve Clifford. And I think, you know, I think that has some currency. I'm not going to say that that doesn't make sense to me. It's like, why would you fire another established, strong defensive coach to hire another strong, established defensive coach? I think there there is a fair argument to be made there. Um, also worth noting is Steve Clifford's leave of absence um, from, the, from the Hornets last year. Um, you do have to worry a little bit about his health. Um, maybe it's best for him to take some time off. Um, I, I would not begrudge him that if that's the decision he makes. But for now, let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. For now, all we know is the Magic are prepared to interview Steve Clifford. Uh, and and again, that's another name that you could throw into the hat with Ime Yadoka, who Josh Robbins of the Orlando Central confirmed interviewed with the Magic, David Fisdale, who obviously is now coaching the Knicks, and David Vanterpool. Uh, and uh, David Vanchepool reportedly interviewed with the Magic. Uh, Josh did not confirm that. And then, of course, uh, Kelvin Sampson, uh, the University of Houston coach, did interview with the Orlando Magic. Um, there, there are some names also going around, um, not from uh, necessarily credible sources, at least, or people who regularly report on things regarding either the Magic or the NBA. So I don't want to repeat them here, um, but... It does seem like the Magic are still going through their process, getting some interviews in, figuring out exactly what they want, what they like, what they what they what they're looking for, trying to find that right guy. Um, it, it, it's it's not time to panic yet. I know a lot of fans are eager to hear what the Magic are going to do, uh, but obviously they're going to take their time. They're going to do it on their own schedule, and, and they're going to make sure they get it right. I, I think that's that's the most important thing. The other name that began to surface, though, suggested that the Magic might be doing something a little bit different and perhaps thinking a little bit bigger. Now, you're probably asking, who's bigger than Steve Clifford? Well, Stan Van Gundy would be one, but that's not the direction the Magic are going, obviously. Sorry, guys. I I would love to have Stan back, too, but it doesn't make sense for this team or for this organization. Um, Steve Clifford, obviously... Is a, I would say that he's a bigger name than, than what I expected. Uh, you know, a Steve Clifford, Terry Stotts, um, if he would have gotten fired from Portland. Um, those, are, those, those were two names that got thrown into the hopper with the Magic that would have been like, yeah, those would be solid hires, not home runs, 
but solid doubles, you know they'll get the job done. Or at least get the Magic back on the right track. And maybe that's what the Magic are looking for. But this name came a little bit out of left field. Someone who's floated with the NBA several times before. And at least the Magic were interested to see if he wanted to jump into the NBA game now. Michael Scotto of The Athletic reported on Thursday morning the Orlando Magic expressed interest in Michigan State coach Tom Izzo for the team's head coaching position. That got everyone a little bit in- intrigued. Tom Izzo, one of the most successful college coaches in, in the nation, already na- already basketball Hall of Famer, um, seven times in the Final Four, one national championship, probably should have a few more, a great lineage of strong defensive teams. Um, uh, uh, there is nothing bad you can say about him as a basketball coach, honestly. I, I, I've had the pleasure, I, 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 I went to Northwestern, covered men's basketball there for a few, few years, Tom Izzo is one of my favorite coaches to interact with with the media. He, he's he's great on that front. Uh, he's obviously a smart basketball mind, um, but he and he's had some interest in the NBA before. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers tried to get him at one point. Um, I think when they fired Mike Brown the first time, they tried to bring him in to to, to coach LeBron. Um, he he's obviously a very very good, very very celebrated coach. Um, the the only problem that I really had with Tom Izzo was some off the court issues. Um, what's going on at Michigan State is not something that anyone should look past right now, uh, especially with the national conversation about about Me Too, the Me Too movement, uh, and, and and women in the workplace, women out in society. Um, and not, and I'm not trying to belittle that either. Uh, but um, Tom Izzo was in charge of a basketball program uh, at an athletic department that has a huge problem right now, uh, and. If it were time for him to jump, it certainly would smell like he's jumping ship before it sinks or quitting before he gets fired, which I don't think is an impossible thing at Michigan State with with a new athletic director coming in. Um, it, there there was a culture problem there. Uh, I, I Honestly, I haven't really talked about it much, but honestly, I am frankly very disappointed in the magic. And, and Adrian Payne seemed like a nice guy. I'm not, I don't want to hold this over his head forever, but... I'm frankly very disappointed in the Magic that their research did not show, bring up this the incident that he was accused of in that ESPN article. And when that ESPN article came out, they caught him. I mean, they made the right PR move and cut him. And it was frankly a PR move. Honestly, that should never have been an issue. You should, I mean, you should do your background research and, and he's not a good enough player to overlook those accusations, credible accusations. And really, it, was, it, it felt like it was public pressure that, that got the Magic to, to move on from him in that way. And again, people deserve a second chance. He was never convicted in a court of law, but it's, it's a big deal what happened at Michigan State because it wasn't just pain. There's a lot of guys, both in football and basketball, that that athletic department allowed to, to you know, abuse women, essentially. Not essentially, they did. And that's unacceptable. And, you know, Izzo is in charge of that. But getting back to the basketball side of things, Graham Couch of the Lansing State Journal uh, reported at about 4.15 in the afternoon Thursday, Tom Izzo will not be taking the Orlando Magic head coaching job, a source tells me. So Tom Izzo is a moot point. All that discussion, all that, you know, winning the, winning the, 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 the press conference, which I do think... 
Honestly, I do think it is important for that coach to win the press conference. I think Jacques Vaughn lost the press conference. Um, the Magic do need to get to bring in a guy and bring in a coach that that fans will get excited about and want to follow as much as the the team does. Um, you know, you don't want a coach that is just there to win the press conference. That was kind of what Scott Skiles and Frank Vogel were. They got to be able to do the job, but you don't want to bring in a coach that fans are already going to be turned against uh, or 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 doesn't have kind of the backing clearly. Um, that's that that that's that. I think that is something to, that to consider, not the deciding point, but something to consider. But you know, I, I you know me when I see rumors like this, I think, okay, what does this rumor really tell me? Because because obviously stuff gets leaked for a reason. Someone leaked that the Magic showed interest in in Tom Izzo. Just like someone, probably with Michigan State, probably with Tom Izzo, leaked to the local paper. I'm not going anywhere. Why he wouldn't put his name to that, who knows. But it it does tell me that the Magic have cast a very wide net in their coaching search. That the team is not settling on the retreads and, 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 and going through the usual channels. They are willing to take some big swings at head coaches and to think a little bit outside the box. Clearly, by interviewing Kelvin Sampson, which again, they've been confirmed to have interviewed him, it appears he did not get the job. Our good pal Eric Lopez reporting from his his American Athletic Conference contacts in Houston that Sampson leaked it himself to try and get a better contract out of Houston. Again, remember, people leak stuff for an agenda. There's always a reason. Someone gains something from these leaks coming out. It's not just for our pleasure as fans. But... The Magic here clearly are exploring every avenue to find the right guy. They're not going to settle. They're not going to stick to your timeline. I'm sorry, guys. It feels like it's late in the game not to have a head coach, but the Magic aren't going to rush things if they don't feel like they have the right guy. They're going to keep looking in every corner of the of the basketball world to find him. And so in that sense, while... I think Tom Izzo's a great basketball coach, and I think he would do a great job on the court. In that sense, it's encouraging to hear this rumor. It's encouraging to hear that the Magic are willing to, to try new things or bring in new people that, that maybe don't have that N- the NBA experience or, or have a good pedigree and just need a job to be given that opportunity. We'll see what direction the Magic head and when they eventually make a hire. And they will eventually make a hire. I, I don't suspect we'll go too deep into June without the Magic hiring a new head coach. But Orlando certainly is doing its research and doing the best it can to find qualified candidates. And, and I think they have found some qualified qualified candidates. And bringing in the right person. They will find the right person. That, that much, I, I do believe that. Or at least who they think is the right person. And they're not going to stop until they do. They don't have to. And so they've, again, cast a wide net to find that person. By the time we reconvene on Tuesday, the conference finals will be done. We will have two NBA finalists. It'll be Boston or Cleveland versus Golden State or Houston. We might be coming off the high of two Game 7s. Two best words in the English language. Game 7. And so by that token, 
we can sit back here and reflect on the things that we've learned in these playoffs. Because as predictable as the NBA may seem, it always brings with it surprises. Whether it was Philadelphia's sudden maturity and then sudden immaturity. Whether it's Boston's team defense. Whether it's Toronto wetting the bed again. Whether it's LeBron's mastery. Whether it's Houston learning how to make ISOs efficient. It's been crazy. Golden State being Golden State. You know, Utah, New Orleans, Portland. There's always something that that catches you by surprise, that happens that you don't expect. And whether you like it or not, this is a copycat league. Teams watch what works in the playoffs. They watch what works around the league, and they try to copy it. When the Magic zigged when they should have zagged by, by bringing in Serge Ibaka and Bismack Biombo, they were trying to go against that grain. They, they, they thought they saw a market inefficiency. Perhaps they saw some desperation. They felt more desperation than that, but they thought they saw a market inefficiency. We can bring in two bigs to protect the, protect the rim, lock down the paint, and force teams into bad three-pointers. And that's how you beat these systems. Been a few other teams that thought that too during these playoffs. Those teams are out. No, the, the league is going in the opposite direction. To the point where you almost can't play a center at all. In this series between the Warriors and Rockets, Clint Capella's made an impact. But the Warriors would much rather play Draymond Green at center with Sean Livingston or Quinn Cook at the at the one or two. And just go big, spread or go small, spread the floor, and just leave a wide open lane. Clint Capella can't play in that scenario. And it's 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 this that, that that's been really to me the big lesson of the playoffs. This to me has been the big lesson that the Orlando Magic now in a in a a, a lee in in a, for essentially in a complete rebuild mode now. This is the lesson that they need to draw out. What has worked in the playoffs this year? What do those contending teams have in common? It's their versatility. It's their ability to switch on defense. It's the ability to have a rim protector who can guard the perimeter, who can stick to a guard. It's the ability to break down teams off of individual matchups sometimes. It's trusting the pass, as Vogel liked, as Frank Vogel liked to say. All four of these teams, or at least what they're being when they're successful, because Golden State and Cleveland, I think, haven't done this successfully. All these teams do all those things. And we saw throughout these playoffs how Rudy Gobert, essentially the presumptive defensive player of the year. I think we all expect him to win defensive player of the year this year got played off the floor because he could not defend Chris Paul. Because despite his length and his athleticism and his rim protecting, when he got isolated on the perimeter, he got roasted. And he couldn't stick to Clint Capella to save him. 
Same happened throughout the league. Tristan Thompson didn't play at all in the first round because Indiana went small. Hassan Whiteside essentially didn't play the last half of that series against Philadelphia. Couldn't keep up with Joel Embiid, who's big, but couldn't stick with guards and stay on the floor. Giannis Antetokounmpo played nearly a quarter of his minutes, if not a little bit more, at center in their first round series against Boston. The list really goes on and on and on. Centers are being pushed to the wayside in some way, unless they can step out and guard the perimeter. What does this mean for the Magic? Well, this is a center-heavy draft. It's, it's, it's a very strange time. This is a draft with guys that I think a lot of people consider future stars, future big-time contributing players. But it's also a draft that, that's full of guys, at the, raw, at the top at least, at the wrong position, at the wrong time. Marvin Bagley's a gifted offensive player. He's got to learn how to shoot the ball a little bit better. But the biggest question for him is can he guard the perimeter? He's got the athleticism. But he's never shown an aptitude for that area of the floor. Can you really build a, a, a team around a guy that can't do that anymore? Muhammad Bamba has an insane seven foot ten wingspan. The guy goes for miles. But can you really put him on the floor if he can't defend guards anymore? Pretty Gobert couldn't. And that's the comparison Bamba gets a lot. Jaron Jackson Jr. and that is that that might be the reason why Jaron Jackson Jr. and Wendell Carter Jr. seem to have more upside than some of the other players in this draft. Now I'm not saying don't draft Bagley. Well, I would say that, but but I'm not saying don't draft Bagley for this reason. I'm not saying don't draft Bamba for this reason. I'm not saying put Jackson above those guys or or, or Carter above those guys. But those bigs but especially Jackson and Carter, have the athleticism to defend the perimeter a little bit, to hold their own out there. And that makes them infinitely more valuable. Orlando needs help everywhere. Again, take the best player available. But even in this climate, are, are you telling me that Trey Young's offense isn't more valuable if, if he can bring it to the NBA level? Which is a question, but I don't think a huge question. There are a lot of players, I think, in this draft who are kind of going to get lost in this shuffle of the new NBA or of the way the NBA is developing and the way the NBA is going. They're not game-changing players who are going to bring the post-game back. They're not that polished or that dominant on the block to change this the, the direction the league is heading. And this is all something the Magic have to consider. We already see it with the versatility that the Magic have and the Magic bring. Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, even to some extent Jonathan Simmons, are all guys that can switch freely. Boston's success on defense, the way that they they pummeled the Sixers, the way that they've, they've played so well against the Cavaliers, is they just seamlessly switch every position one through five, and they can all guard each position one through five. 
Al Horford's value is that he can guard guards. He can stick on the perimeter and play good defense. And that frees up Boston to blow up any action you put against them because they'll just switch it. As long as their communication is good, as long as the rotations are good, they will just switch it and beat you that way and hold your de- hold your offense down because you can't get free. You can't find that space. That's how they've survived these injuries. Because their defense is just otherworldly right now. And so this is the key lesson for the Magic and for any rebuilding team right now is what works in the NBA today is versatility, is switchability, is having rim protectors who can guard the perimeter. That's why I think a lot of people are excited about Jonathan Isaac and to some extent Aaron Gordon and like the idea of building a front court with an Isaac Gordon Carter or Isaac Gordon Jackson or Isaac Gordon Bamba, even if it doesn't have the offense. The offense will come somewhere. Because that's the direction the league is going. And it's not too late to jump on that train. It doesn't seem like it's changing anytime soon. There isn't a team that's doing it so differently, so successfully, in the same way that maybe the 2009 Magic did or or the 7 Seconds or Less Suns did that will change the thinking around the league. And so as the Magic begin this rebuild, I think those are the lessons they need to take and apply to their team. No more modernizing an old offense. No more modernizing an old defense. Build a modern team. And perhaps that was the failure from Rob Hennigan. He had an idea of the identity and the mentality he wanted to have. But he never built a modern team. And when push came to shove, when he got the pressure to win... The Magic built a team that wasn't suited or fit to win. I want to thank everyone again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Like us on Facebook at Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places you download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Remember, you can check us out at, uh, at LockedOnMagic.com. And of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR_OMD. Be sure to check out the other great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can check out Locked On Rockets, Locked On Cavs, Locked On Warriors, Locked On Celtics, and of course, Locked On NBA as well for the latest on the conference finals as we get closer and closer to the NBA finals starting one week from Thursday on May 31st. Get excited. It's NBA finals. I I know they're not the magic, but I always get excited for the NBA finals. It's, It's my favorite, favorite time of the year. You, of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, though, and if anything happens on their coaching search, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com, as well as follow us on Twitter at omagicdaily. Coming up on tom- on orlandomagicdaily.com tomorrow, I'll have a little bit of a look back at the, at the season and one of the big contradictions the Magic faced throughout the season. And then, of course... Uh, we'll hopefully have an Orlando we'll have an Orlando Magic Daily Roundtable up over the Memorial Day weekend as well. When we come back on Tuesday, we will start NBA draft player profile. So we'll talk a little bit more specifically about several prospects um, throughout the course of the next few weeks. So we'll be diving deeper and deeper into the draft um, as we um, we'll be diving deeper and deeper into the draft now. Uh, so definitely, definitely, definitely uh, hang hang on for that. If there are any players you want me to profile specifically, um, I'm sure I've got the big ones, but if there's any players you want me to profile specifically, go ahead and shoot me an email at omagicdaily at gmail.com or tweet at me at omagicdaily at philiprr underscore omd or at lockedonmagic. I'll be sure to add them to my list 
and we'll talk about them coming up on the show or at least on orlandomagicdaily.com. That's going to do it for me today, though. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, have a great Memorial Day weekend. I'll see you all Tuesday for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.